Good morning, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome back to the waiting room. I pray that you're doing well. I pray that that you're able to recognize distractions as they fall in your lap. <laughs> Admittedly, I got a little bit caught up with all the uh, bookmaking procedures and process, and I was falling off a little bit with Father, and, and I woke up today feeling like, you know what, I have not been giving him the glory. I have not been coming on here and, and telling people, hey, this is what's going on still. This is what's to come. Be uh, vigilant. You know, there's going to be things that Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever you need to call him, call him all of them. The darkness is going to be throwing things at you to distract you in times right now, whether it's to make you have hate in your heart lust, anything that's going to throw you off and separate you from Father. He has not changed. He's not okay with sin. What Jesus Christ did on the cross was the atonement, yes, for all sin, but that does not say, hey, go live however you want. We are called to be different, and it's a daily battle, and sometimes moment by moment it's a battle. We are not called to be like everyone else. That's what it means when it says, come, come out of her, my people. Come out of her, the world, that evil world. So I want to play something for you today that I actually woke up this morning and listened to and instantly got uh, inspired in the spirit to go ahead and share this with you guys. I feel like it's going to help somebody out there. Somebody, Somebody's listening. You. Whoever you are, whoever you are that, that comes here and returns to listen to these messages that I have, these, these little episodes that we create and put out for the world, you're here for a reason. I don't advertise this. If you stumbled upon here, there's a reason. You have something to learn. I'm sure of it. Because I am not cool. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys got some coffee. It's early in the morning here in Washington State. Beautiful sunrise. It's going to be a really hot day. Pray for your elderly. Go by and check on them. Make sure that their, their temperatures in their houses are okay. Bring cold water, you know. Give cold water to the homeless. I know they annoy you guys, but Father says you never know if you're entertaining angels. What if he put all these crazy-looking, drug-addicted-looking people out here that are really in disguise for a moral test? Anyways, let's go ahead and enjoy this next 22 minutes. I think it's going to be very positive. It's from the Lion of Judah channel on YouTube. It's called The Angels Worse Than the Devil. And so let's go ahead and get started. God bless you guys with open eyes and open ears. Or really open ears, right? Because you can't see the message. But you can if you're in the spirit, beloved. Here we go. The Deceptive Appearance of the Devil 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 14. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, 
transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The greatest strategy of the devil is deception, and this is clearly stated in scripture. From the beginning, and even now, he continues to be deceptive, and he will persist in this approach. Deception is his unchanging strategy, which is why the Bible warns us not to be ignorant of his schemes. The devil doesn't come to us with a frightening appearance of red face and horns. Instead, he disguises himself as everything we've ever desired. If he always appeared with red eyes, horns, and a tail, nobody would easily fall victim to him. The physical caricature often associated with the devil is just a portrayal. The devil doesn't manifest in scary ways. Rather, he pretends to be our friend and presents himself as someone with solutions to our problems. He appears helpful and harmless, but his true mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. It is crucial to recognize that the devil's deceptive nature is what makes him dangerous. He seeks to lure people into his snares by presenting enticing offers or appealing paths that seem beneficial at first. By disguising himself as a helper, he gains trust and gradually carries out his destructive intentions. Therefore, we must remain vigilant and discerning, not being swayed by appearances or deceptive tactics. We need to be aware of the devil's schemes and guard ourselves against his deceitful ways. By staying rooted in God's truth and seeking his guidance, we can resist the devil's temptations and stand firm against his strategies of deception. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14, we are warned. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. These words should give us pause and cause us to reflect on the subtlety of the enemy's tactics. It is important to understand that Satan's intention is not to appear as a dark and malevolent being. No, his strategy is much more insidious. He presents himself as an angel of light, someone who appears good, righteous, and trustworthy. In doing so, he seeks to lure us away from the path of truth and righteousness. In the world we live in today, it seems that there is confusion about what is truly good and what is truly evil. People are calling things that are good evil and things that are evil good. It's puzzling and concerning, but there is an explanation for this. You see, the God of this world, referring to Satan, has deceived many people into believing that the evil they support is actually good. Satan, being cunning and deceptive, has twisted their understanding and perception of what is right and wrong. He has clouded their judgment, leading them astray from the truth. When people genuinely believe that what they are doing is good, even though it is actually evil, it is a result of the enemy's influence. Satan has planted lies and false ideas in their minds, making them think that their actions and beliefs are righteous and noble. He takes advantage of their vulnerability and feeds them with deceptive ideologies. This deception is particularly prevalent in our world today, with the constant bombardment of conflicting messages and distorted values. Society often promotes selfishness, immorality, and harmful behaviors as if they are positive and acceptable. When we think of angels of light, we envision beings of purity and holiness. Satan takes advantage of this association to gain our trust. 
He manipulates our perception and understanding, making us believe that what he offers is good and desirable. But let us not be deceived. Just because something appears good does not mean it aligns with God's truth. We must be vigilant and discerning, for Satan's deception knows no bounds. The devil is a deceiver, and his tactics involve convincing people that what is evil is actually good, and what is dark is actually light. Sadly, this world often aligns itself with darkness rather than embracing the light. It has been influenced by the devil's deception. The devil has a cunning way of disguising himself as everything we desire. When it comes to temptation, he knows our vulnerabilities and will not hesitate to target us in areas where we are prone to be susceptible. The Bible acknowledges that we are not all the same, and as individuals, we have specific sins that easily entangle us. It is crucial to recognize that the devil's intention is to lead us astray and away from God's truth. He will use whatever means necessary to deceive and tempt us. That is why it is vital to be self-aware and understand our own weaknesses and areas of susceptibility. By being aware of our own vulnerabilities, we can be better equipped. Hello to my fellow designers, creators, and Creative Cloud members. Terry White here, and I'm here to let you know that Adobe will be live for- Equipped to resist the devil's schemes and avoid falling into temptation. Additionally, we must rely on the guidance of God and his word to discern between good and evil, light and darkness. The Bible provides us with a standard of truth and righteousness. By aligning ourselves with God's principles, we can discern the devil's deception and choose the path of light instead of being swayed by his deceitful tactics. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The sin that so easily entangles you is what the devil will present to tempt you. If you struggle with lust, the devil will present you with all the opportunities for you to lust. If you struggle with sexual immorality, he will present you with the opportunities to fulfill your lustful desires. If you struggle with lying, the devil will present situations for you that are convenient for you to lie. The devil is tempter and deceiver. The Bible describes him as both these things. The devil can quite literally give the world to a person because he is the God of this world. He can give fame to people and promote them in life. He attempted to do that with Jesus. Matthew chapter four, verses eight through nine. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. It is good to be blessed. But if the devil is the source of any of these in your life, the end is regrettable. Satan is very smart. He is a deceiver, a murderer, a liar, and a thief. But he is not a fool. If he offers you a cap, his mission is to chop off your head. The devil will never give people anything without taking something of greater value from their lives. I know you have heard the saying, give the devil an inch and he will take a mile. But it's more like, Give the devil an inch, and he will take the whole country. Just after Jesus finished his 40 days and 40 nights fasting, the Bible recorded he was hungry. 
Matthew chapter 4 verses 2 through 4. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. The devil took advantage of an opportunity to tempt Jesus. Without being filled with the Spirit, it can be challenging to discern certain temptations until we fall into them. It is astonishing to think of the audacity of Satan to tempt the Son of God right after he had finished fasting for 40 days. The devil often exploits our current situations to tempt us. He knew Jesus was hungry and saw enticing him with food as the best way to make him stumble. The way the devil presented his proposition to Christ seemed harmless. He said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. It would have been easy to fall into the satanic trap, especially after such a long fast. Many of us might not recognize it as the voice of the devil. Instead, we may view it as an opportunity to prove our anointing. We need to be cautious about the suggestions we entertain when we are in need, as the devil may be enticing us. It is essential to stay alert and discerning, relying on the guidance of the Holy Spirit to recognize the devil's tactics. By being aware of our vulnerabilities and seeking God's wisdom, we can resist the devil's temptations and remain faithful to God. Let us be cautious and discerning when faced with enticing suggestions or opportunities, ensuring that we align ourselves with God's will and not fall into the devil's trap. Again, the devil promised to give Jesus all the kingdoms and the glory of this world if only he would bow to him in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8-9. through 9. Doesn't that seem to be a great testimony? Jesus was sent to save the world, and now the devil is promising to give him the world already. Brethren, be careful of shortcuts. It could be the devil's trick against you. Amen. The condition the devil gave Jesus was enough to prove that such promise was not from God. He wanted Jesus to bow to him, thereby alluring him into idolatry. But Jesus could discern him, although he was disguised. If the devil could approach Jesus in such a cunning way, he would definitely do the same to us. Don't expect to see the devil coming to you with horns before you discern his deceptions. He will come through your current needs, but you can always discern him through the written word of God. The devil can quote the word of God to confuse you, but whatever he tells you will not align with the character of God. He quoted the scriptures to Jesus, but his deceptions were not hidden. Jesus knew exactly what every scripture meant and the right way to apply it. The Bible is a prophetic book. Anyone can interpret it in a way it will suit his or her selfish interest. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 admonishes that we should let the word of God to dwell in us richly and in all wisdom. We must not only know what the Bible says, we must receive the wisdom to apply it correctly. Satan always comes in subtle ways to deceive people. Therefore, we must be on guard against him. Finally, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-9. through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he... Hello, my name is Robert Allen. You know, the New York Times says that 80% of us have a book in us. 80%. 
Do you have a book in you? Is sometime in your lifetime, is it on your bucket list for you to write a book about all? Walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We embark on a journey through the pages of scripture to uncover the rich history of angelic encounters that adorn the biblical narrative. As we delve into this extraordinary theme, we cannot help but be amazed at how frequently angels are mentioned throughout the Bible. It is often said that you cannot read the Bible without encountering the divine realm and being astounded by the presence and involvement of angels. From the opening chapters of Genesis to the climactic visions of Revelation, these celestial beings play a significant role in God's dealings with humanity. They are messengers, warriors, guardians, and agents of God's will, intricately woven into the fabric of biblical history. When we consider the vast array of angelic encounters recorded in scripture, we are left in awe of the profound ways in which these heavenly beings intersect with the human experience. From the comforting presence of an angel in the wilderness to the breathtaking visions of angelic hosts filling the skies, the biblical accounts offer a glimpse into the majesty and mystery of God's celestial messengers. Whether it is the angelic announcement of the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ, the heavenly visions granted to prophets and apostles, or the miraculous interventions to protect and guide God's people, the presence of angels filled the biblical narrative. Their presence serves as a testament to God's immeasurable love and care for his creation, as well as a reminder of the unseen realm that surrounds us. In this sermon, we will embark on an exploration of angelic encounters throughout history, uncovering the ways in which these divine messengers have influenced the course of events and shaped the lives of individuals. May we be inspired to seek a deeper connection with the heavenly realm, to recognize the spiritual realities at play. Within scripture there are evil angels. In the book of Revelation, a profound prophecy unveils the existence of four angels bound at the great river Euphrates, waiting for their appointed time of release. This prophetic passage in Revelation 9 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a future event during the end times when these restrained angels will be set free to bring devastation upon the earth. The precise nature and purpose of their destructive mission are not explicitly revealed in the text. However, their binding at the Euphrates River signifies their current state of restraint, indicating that they await the precise hour, day, month, and year ordained by God for their release. The mention of angels bound at the Euphrates River in the book of Revelation sparks contemplation about the unfolding of future events. This prophecy hints at a time of great upheaval and divine intervention in human history. It serves as a reminder of the sovereignty and control that God exercises over all creation, including spiritual beings. These bound angels symbolize the anticipation and buildup of cosmic forces during the end times, as the stage is set for the ultimate climax of God's redemptive plan. While the exact details and implications of their release remain a mystery, this prophetic passage stirs a sense of anticipation and underscores the need for readiness and spiritual vigilance in the face of coming trials. The imagery of angels bound at the Euphrates River highlights the divine timetable that governs the unfolding of events in human history. It underscores the truth that God is in control of the course of time and the activities of spiritual beings, whether those spirit beings are good or evil. God is in control. These angels, though currently restrained, are being held in readiness for their assigned mission. But this prophecy serves as a reminder of the certainty of God's plan 
and the imminent fulfillment of his purposes. As believers, we are called to be watchful, prayerful, and spiritually prepared, recognizing that the end times will bring both judgment and the ultimate victory of Christ over all evil. Let us find assurance in the knowledge that, even in the midst of great tribulation, God is in control and his purposes will ultimately prevail. In the book of 2 Peter, we encounter a remarkable revelation about imprisoned angels. The Bible tells us that God did not spare the angels when they sinned but cast them into Tartarus, a place of confinement. These angels are now held there, bound by chains of darkness, awaiting their ultimate judgment. The specific actions or transgressions committed by the angels mentioned in 2 Peter 2 verse 4 are not explicitly stated in the biblical text. As a result, theologians and scholars have put forward various theories and interpretations regarding their nature and deeds. While these theories are speculative, they offer different perspectives on the possible actions of these imprisoned angels. Here are a few theories. Theory 1. Cohabitation with humans. One theory suggests that these angels engaged in illicit relationships with human beings, referred to as the sons of God, mentioned in Genesis 6 verses 1 to 4. According to this view, these angels violated the divine order by entering into unnatural unions, resulting in a corrupt generation known as the Nephilim. Theory 2. Rebellion and Rebellion Leaders Another theory proposes that these angels were leaders or instigators of a significant angelic rebellion against God doesn't care if you're mad and angry. He wants you to talk to him either way. So I got down on my knees and I started praying. I let it all out. I just Angels were leaders or instigators of a significant angelic rebellion against God. This rebellion might have involved a direct challenge to God's authority and an attempt to establish an alternate order or dominion. Theory 3. Involvement in the Sins of Sodom and Gomorrah some theories suggest that these angels were somehow connected to the wickedness and sexual immorality prevalent in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. This connection is based on the mention of Sodom and Gomorrah in the preceding verses of 2 Peter 2 verse 4. It is important to note that these theories are speculative and not explicitly confirmed by the biblical text. The lack of specific details in 2 Peter 2 verse 4 invites different interpretations and allows for a range of theories. Ultimately, the focus of the passage is not on the specific actions of these angels but rather on the fact that God did not spare them from judgment, emphasizing his righteousness and justice. The concept of imprisoned angels in Tartarus raises intriguing questions about the spiritual realm. Amen. It suggests that while some fallen angels are in bondage, others remain unbound and active on the earth. Some people have argued that the sins these angels committed are worse than the devil as the devil is currently allowed to go up and down this world. Whereas these angels, and others like these angels, are bound and locked up. Jude 1 verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. This verse is another verse in support of 2 Peter 2 4, that alludes to a specific group of angels who failed to maintain their original position or authority, and abandoned their rightful dwelling place. As a consequence of their disobedience, God has reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness until the time of final judgment. There are scholars who believe that the sins of these angels are considered worse than the devils, because their punishment seems to be currently more severe than the devils. The mention of these angels being bound in everlasting chains under darkness suggests a severe and permanent punishment. 
This imagery indicates that these angels have been completely removed from any influence or interaction with the physical world. In contrast, the devil, according to the Bible, retains a certain level of freedom to operate and tempt humanity. It is important to note that these discussions delve into theological interpretations and debates, as the Bible does not provide exhaustive details on the specific sins committed by these angels. Therefore, individuals' perspectives on the severity of their transgressions may differ, and interpretations can vary among different Christian denominations and theologians. However, the imprisonment of these fallen angels underscores God's justice and his authority over the spiritual realm. It reminds us that God judges sin every time. The imagery of imprisoned angels and chains of darkness reveals the seriousness of sin and its consequences. It emphasizes the reality of divine judgment and the accountability of spiritual beings for their actions. While we may not fully understand the intricacies of the spiritual realm, the Bible's mention of imprisoned angels invites us to reflect on the significance of obedience and submission to God. It serves as a reminder that our choices have eternal implications and that God's justice will ultimately prevail. The Bible consistently teaches us that choices have consequences. This fundamental principle applies to both our actions and our decisions. Although the specific actions of these angels are not explicitly revealed in the text, their imprisonment illustrates the just judgment of God. It emphasizes that even celestial beings are held accountable for their choices. This truth extends to us as well, as humans created in the image of God. Our decisions and actions have consequences, both in this life and in eternity. The Bible warns us about the devastating effects of sin and encourages us to choose righteousness and obedience to God's commands. Sin, by its very nature, carries consequences. The Bible makes it clear that sin separates us from God and leads to spiritual consequences. The story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is a prime example. When they chose to disobey God's command and partake of the forbidden fruit, they experienced the immediate consequence of being expelled from the garden. Sin introduces brokenness, pain, and suffering into our lives and the world around us. It damages relationships, distorts our understanding of truth, and hinders our communion with God. The consequences of sin highlight the seriousness of our choices and the need for redemption through Jesus Christ. Thankfully, God offers forgiveness and salvation through his Son, enabling us to be reconciled to him and experience the restoration of our relationship with him. Yes, thank you, Father, for offering us forgiveness, right? When we come to him with a contrite and repentant heart. Uh, there's so many times I, I feel like just such a filthy rag. And the moment I come to Father, the moment I come to him, and sometimes tears fall. Sometimes I'm just on my knees. Sometimes I'm begging. And no matter how I come to him, the fact that I come to him, he receives me and he helps me. I wrote down a couple of um, points that I wanted to make uh, as we listened to this video because I was listening along with you guys and uh, I wanted to talk about how they how he said you know just because something looks good doesn't mean it's aligned with God and that is so true because you look at things and you look at the world and you're like well why is everybody chasing money why do the people that look the happiest have big homes and 
great careers and they travel the world and they do all these great things and it's like well because the god of this world is giving them everything because where is their desire for god there it's great to say oh yeah god oh god blesses me oh god thank you for everything that you're doing for me where's the suffering where's the chasing after father with your whole heart where's the denying of self where's the being there for your brethren right lifting up others where is that when you're so blessed by everything in this world that you you think you're not lacking anything (coughs) excuse me and i just wanted to mention that because everything can look really good right i've been presented with opportunities before that look so great on the surface and got me oh my wheels in my head started turning and i got all excited and the old me will jump into things like that wholeheartedly yeah let's go for it now i have discernment so i let holy spirit guide me and something may look spectacular to somebody else outside looking in to my life you know to others i may not look like much i don't have a fancy title in a career i don't have things that I used to have and I don't care to have them either I live a very quiet and humble life now and and I prefer to do that and um, that's what I enjoy so blessings are sometimes a disguise blessings can come not from father and they're not really blessings they're curses because the devil hates you so just be careful when you're being blessed and I say that with quotes (laughs) When you're being blessed, know know that it's coming from Father. And how do you know? Because it's going to align with His Word. The Bible is His Word. I don't care what you want to say about who wrote it. He was the one who wrote it. Holy Spirit might as well have had the pens in His hand. And if you guys don't understand that, then you're not going to understand Father. So I implore you to chase after Him with your whole heart. Now... When they're talking about angels being bound under the Euphrates River or at the Euphrates River, I think the language is, you have to wonder because it's also prophesied. It's also prophesied in the Bible. And you know what? Off the top of my head, I don't know where. But it's prophesied in Scripture that the Euphrates River in the end times would dry up. Let's look it up, Euphrates, because you guys are going to see... prophecy KJV okay so we're gonna go ahead and read it because I want you guys to understand what I'm talking about and actually I just simply googled the uh, the prophecy about Euphrates River and it brought up several scriptures so let's go ahead and read a couple in Revelation chapter 16 verse 12 And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. I believe that is referring to it's going to dry up so that the kings of the east can come over and trample and take over the west. Um, Also, I don't know if you all noticed, but the Euphrates River is actually drying up. It's actually drying up. And that was prophesied 2,000 years ago. So I don't care who wrote it. Who, If that's your argument, I know who wrote it. I know God himself wrote it. But if your argument is men wrote that, there's no possible way, it's fake. 
you need to ask yourself why these things are coming to fruition why these things are happening why did they find the ark exactly where the bible says that it would land why did they find it why is there proof that the red sea has wheels and stuff at the bottom of it as if i don't know a bunch of chariots got sunken in you guys got to start paying attention okay in genesis chapter 2 verses 10 through 14 let's go ahead and open up to read more so we could do the whole thing and a river went out of eden to water and garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads the name of the first is pison that is it which com- compasseth the whole land of havila where there is gold and the gold of the land is good there is bedulum and onyx stone and the name of the second river is gion the name is that of the comp- the name is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel, that is it which goeth towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. So all these rivers over there, um, that's where the original garden was. Wow. Anyway, so I'm not going to read any more of these scriptures, but if you want to read more, there's uh, more in Revelation 9:14, Genesis 15:18, Daniel 10 and 4. Daniel is my favorite prophet, so let's go ahead and read this one. Daniel 10 verse 4. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel, and that's referring to one of the four rivers that flowed from Eden. Euphrates is one of them but I have no concept or understanding as how huge Eden was comparatively to the land we live on right here now. And I think you guys also um, should understand that the maps and everything and how they say everything is located and it's all, I don't want to say it's all lies, but it's not the truth. How far things are apart, how, where things are located, they're not being truthful. And let's go ahead and continue on. So, there you go. So, it was already prophesied that the river was going to dry up, and that's actually happening. And then, um, also, I wanted to talk about uh, how he was saying that the angels that are bound, it's because they sinned. And it's not very specific, other than if you look in the book of Genesis, it does say that they came down and they came into wives they chose for them wives so that means that they intermingled with men so but and i will say the original people in the bible must have left this out for a reason right god wants you to seek him the book of enoch has all of this information and and though people will not say that it's inspired by god i believe that enoch was telling the truth i believe that he was telling the absolute truth truth in his book and I do believe that it's inspired by God for him to write it so I think that it's worth a read and it talks about the different sins that the angels committed against father by getting one by giving us different knowledge like makeup jewelry weapons right so the fallen are behind every evil technology that we have now that's something that you also need to understand is that there's no such thing as a genius You know, a friend of mine likes to talk about um, philosophers and stuff, and 
there no man is a genius there's no man out there smarter than the next it's just what you choose to study what you choose to fill your mind with they these people that are on higher higher food chains so to speak um people the elite class of people they've been given knowledge by the fallen but they have to give something up remember the devil gives you something but he also takes something away this is why sacrifice is still alive and well today that's why they push Planned Parenthood this is why it's alive and well this is why it'll never go anywhere this is why Hollywood under the guise of all the stars and fun stuff they do wicked 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 stuff because they pacify the masses with their entertainment What's entertainment? Look up the words, enter your mind. They enter our minds. They teach us how to live, how to be, how to be insecure, how to chase after things. Like, I, I hate TV. I wish that it was never introduced to my home. <laughs> because I think about it and the shows that I watched. Oh, you know, this is how you're supposed to act in school. This is how you're supposed to act in the home. Like all these shows that I grew up watching, they're garbage teaching us how to be families and teaching us how to do this and it is just garbage anyways i'm just gonna run off on another tangent if i don't stop myself now beloved i pray that you guys enjoyed the message today i pray that i pray excuse me that it helps you gain some understanding that the bible was actually inspired by god it was written 2000 plus years ago and things in it have come and are still coming to fruition the bible is real the Bible is alive and there's actual power in that book. And I dare you to pick it up and open it up and read it. I dare you. And then when you do that, ask Father to reveal himself to you, beloved, because once he does, there's no going back. There's no going back. And he doesn't promise that it'll be easy. He promises that he'll be with you. Endure. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Until next time.